Hello, beautiful. This is Reverend Jennifer Hadley, and the recording you're about to listen to is part of the Living a Course in Miracles teleclass. Our intention in offering this class is to give you clear tools and practices that you can use to align with love every day in every area of your life. No one can do your healing for you. You must decide to choose love in every moment to the very best of your ability. Remember, miracles occur naturally as expressions of love. Intend to live a miraculous life of love and share the benefits of your healing and your expansion with everyone because you're one with them. Please pause the recording before the class starts and write down your intention in listening to the class. Partner up with your own higher Holy Spirit self. And please go to jenniferhadley.com for more tools and practical loving support every day. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the class. So taking this breath of love and gratitude, we are so grateful and so thankful to open our hearts and open our minds to the power and the presence of divine love. Love is the healer. Love is the only healer that there is. We partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self. We invoke into our awareness divine grace. Right here and right now, we place on the holy altar fire of divine love all habits and all beliefs in fear, doubt, and worry, every bit of resistance and reluctance, everything that could keep us playing small and fearful. We place on the holy altar of God's love and we open our hearts and minds to have a healing right now. We are making ourselves willing and available we are grateful to be the two or more who are gathered in the name and the nature of the christ presence we share the benefits of our healing and our expansion with everyone because we're one with them in grace and gratitude we let it be and so it is amen 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 yes so Rhonda Britton is the author of a number of books, four books, and uh, your first book, Rhonda, was Fearless Living. And so you're our expert on living a fearless life. And there may be people who are listening, Rhonda, who aren't familiar with you yet. And so just. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes. So just just for those who don't know, <clears throat> I mean, t- to me, uh, you're you're beloved by so many because of uh, the years of doing starting over and uh, being on television five days a week. Right, that show was five days a week. Yes, it was five days a week, an hour every day. Yeah, that's right. And so yeah. coaching people who who are very challenged many different kinds of challenges because you did that for years and really supporting them in living a fearless life. And you learned what you learned, not because you read it in somebody else's book, <laughs> and, right? right? I mean, you, you learned, you walked through the fire, my friend. You walked, you walked through a fire that I hope no one ever has to walk through. 
because uh, your your life experience has been so intense. And um, you know what I would like to invite you to to share. You shared on the radio show, and it has stayed with me. I have a, my Unity FM radio show. Uh, that people can find at iTunes and you can get the free download of that recording with Rhonda because it was so powerful. And at a time in your life, many years ago, when you were just um, bereft, you were studying A Course in Miracles and going to hear Marianne Williamson every week. And you shared with her just how painful your life experience was. Will you share what she said to you? Because it was so beautiful. Yeah, it was. I mean, um, and for people who don't know my life experience, I don't know if you want me to just talk a little bit about that yeah. first or share. Okay. Whatever you um, feel. You know, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, when I went to Marianne and, you know, I had never at this point shared it with even hardly anybody. Like I didn't even share it with friends, right? Like this was so secret because I was so ashamed of it. And I was going to Course in Miracles and – I don't know how many months I'd been going, and I'd be going every week, sometimes twice a week, sometimes three times a week. At the time, Marianne was lecturing three times a week in Los Angeles where I was living. And um, I went there, and I finally decided, you know, listening to all this God stuff, I was like, ah, oh, well, what are you going to say about this kind of thing, right? And so I stand up, and, uh, you know, I raise my hand, and she calls on me, and I just told her, what had happened to me when I was 14 and uh, what I, what had happened to me when I was 14 is I had the horrific experience of witnessing my uh, father uh, pull out a gun and shoot my mother twice and then take that same gun and shoot himself. And I was the only witness to my father murdering my mother and committing suicide. And, you know, I started yelling at him when he pulled out the gun. I started trying to stop him, you know, verbally just going, stop, stop. But I didn't take any action, right? I didn't grab the gun or I didn't step in front of my mother. I did nothing. I was just kind of frozen. And so I told Marianne this about how much shame I had for not saving my mother. And um, I had started drinking and, you know, drank to eliminate the pain. I had tried to kill myself three times and that didn't work. And so I'm sharing this all with her. And she just looks at me and with just the way that only Marianne can look and says to me, the depth of your pain will be as high as you rise, right? The depth of your pain will be as high as you rise. Like how far down you've had to go is how high you will rise. And I loved, Jennifer, your interpretation of that when when I shared that and the way that you understood that from A Course in Miracles perspective. And so I actually want to throw it back in yours because I know what it did for me. It made me feel feel like, you know, my life had purpose. You know, mm-hmm. my like my my pain was for not not for not right. That there was something that I was gaining out of this. This is when I was a, a very young student in the course, obviously, and um, you know that there was some some grounding, some depth that I was gaining without awareness of it, maybe because I was so much of the pain of it. I didn't know that 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 depth was available to me. Right? I didn't know that 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 richness was available to me yet at this point. Um, I was still reacting from the pain of it, right, not thinking that I had worth and still reacting from that place of fear. Um, I wasn't doing, you know, what I do today yet when she said this to me. Um, 
and so I know that that gave me hope, right? It gave me hope. But I loved what you said about it from, of course, a miracle perspective, your interpretation of the low versus the low versus high, you know, the low of the low and the high of the high, so to speak. I'd love to throw it back at you. Well, you know, just I could see where some people would look at the rise of Rhonda Britton and they would look at it from an egotistical point of view and say, well, she's a best-selling author, she's on television, she's an Emmy Award-winning television celebrity, all of these things, and that's the rise, you know, the high stardom. But to me, it is the rise of your consciousness. It is the rise of your awareness. It is the rise of your vibration that, you know, I say all the time, Rhonda, because I often as I'm sure you are, counseling people who, like us, we're light workers. And I yeah. often call us lightpreneurs. So we're entrepreneurs <laughs> and we're light workers. And we're interested in being a beneficial presence in the world. And to me, I think the greatest marketing principle of all time is what Jesus said in the New Testament where he said, um, as I am lifted, I draw all unto me. And so our work as light workers is our our work is to be pure, to be pristine, yeah. to constantly purify our awareness and have that clarity. And then we have something to share with other people. So the depth of your pain, you. You obviously, you know, it overwhelmed you. How could it not? Yes. But you, you did, even though you tried to kill yourself three times, and I think it's so important to talk about this because many people who might be listening have, you know, been considering suicide and all of these things because they're in a place of hopelessness. They're overwhelmed by the fear. They're overwhelmed yeah. by their self-judgment and their seeming lack. So you had, you were in that place. And you have completely risen above it. And how did you do that? You did it through being willing to surrender. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Being willing to be willing, you know, because even, even, you know, I always say to people, you know, I get that, you know, I ask people to forgive, right, or ask people to surrender or to release, you know, whatever word is up in that moment for them, mm-hmm. to trust. Again, you know, again, I want you to trust. I want you to surrender. I want you to forgive. And people will look at me and go, well, I can't possibly do that. I'm not ready to do that. That's just like I can't even contemplate that, right? And I, and, I, and I get it. Oh, my God, do I get it. I have been there. The thought of forgiving my father and forgiving myself, I mean, are you kidding? I spent 20 years of my life, and I really want everyone to hear it, 20 years of my life between the ages of 14 and 34, 20 years. But absolutely believing to the core of my being that I had no right to be happy with a mother dead. I had no right to have a good life if I didn't stop the bullet. I had no right to, you know, to, to enjoy anything, you know. So when I drank, I enjoyed for a minute, right? But right. then, of course, the self-loathing, then the self-loathing happened, right? So it, it's like I get the absolute desire and wanting to be willing but the absolute fear to do it because, you know, what's on the other side, you know, remember my father was a murderer. What's, what am I capable of? Right. So, you know, Oh God, Oh my, what am I capable of? So, you know, people would say, you're just like your father. Right. So, you know, I, Mm. so to be willing to forgive, you know, 
like, yeah, I had to be willing to get angry, right? And the thought of being angry, I thought I literally, Jennifer, I thought I would destroy the world. Like, I really thought that I, ha- that I would destroy the world. Like, my anger would be so big, you know? So that willingness, you know, when, when people, when I get how hard it can feel sometimes to, to give up that worry, to give up that doubt, to give up that fear. And what I say is you must be willing to be willing. And I'll even go further than that. You must be willing to contemplate being willing, maybe someday in the future be willing, right? Like, I don't care how little you think you're willing. The fact that you're listening to my voice, to Jennifer's voice right now, tells me you're willing, regardless of what your consequence is. You dialed the phone. You got on the computer. There's some part of you that's willing, right? So that part we want to start courting, start growing, start expanding so that that willingness can literally take you over and with much ease and much grace, as Miss Jennifer said in that amazing prayer to start our session off today, with that amazing grace and amazing ease, that willingness does the work for you. That grace and ease does the work for you. God does the work for you. And all you must do is be willing. So I get what it feels to have that internal battle. I lived with it for 20 years because, you know, just to back up a minute, before my parents died, I was planning on being a minister. So I was deeply, deeply involved with my church. I was, I was the president of my youth group. I created the youth group. I mean, I was reading the Bible, you know, I was giving people pamphlets for, you know, Christmas, you know, so, so this just didn't happen to me later, right? I was deep, deeply spiritual from a very, very early age. So, when my parents died, I put God on the other side, right? Like I, you know, because in that moment when they died, it was like God was testing me. I just told him that I was going to be a minister. And then all of a sudden my parents are dead. This must be a test, right? You know, Oh God doesn't give you tests unless you can pass them. And I just looked at God and said, these tests, your tests are too hard. Like these tests are too hard. I'm I'm not, I don't want your tests. Right. Yeah. So, so I said, love you, God. Cause I, I loved him. Right. Love, love you, God. But you got to go on the other side of the line, big guy. Cause I can't take your test. And so it literally took me um, uh, 20 years to come back, to forgive, to surrender, to release. And and what I know to be true now is that it doesn't have to take anybody 20 years. It's it's a lot easier now. Uh, it, it, it's a, not easier now. I know it doesn't feel easier, but it doesn't have to take 20 years. There are, you know, there's fearless living, course of miracles. These are tools that can take you there rapidly. And, and with much more ease. And Jennifer and I are here for support. So you're not alone, man. I was alone. I was alone. Yeah. <laughs> <There> was nobody. <laughs> yeah, alone and and uh, struggling for a long time, which is, it, it does lead to that sense of hopelessness and suicide. So for people who are listening now, I, I want to, ask you when we were uh in the car together on monday Rhonda, we were talking about the class tonight and you mentioned something that i've been thinking about ever since is just the ways that people are living in fear that they don't even know it can you help us identify some of those things so we can just start to have an awareness of how how uh how the fear is so much a part of our life that we don't even know it it, it's so true. Fear is insidious. It's as smart as you are, as educated as you are, and even as spiritual as you are. Because fear will take your belief systems. It'll take your values. It'll take all your, you know, your good work and use it in service to fear. So, you know, a, a, a value like integrity 
you know, who doesn't want integrity? Everybody wants integrity. Integrity is a great value to have. It's awesome value. Everybody, integrity, wow, it's a great value, right? Well, fear can use integrity too. It's called rigidity. It's called closed-mindedness. It's called follow the rules whether it kills you or not. It means fulfilling on a promise even though it no longer works for you and it really doesn't align with you anymore. But you said you'd do it, darn it all, so you're going to do it, right? So in, in some of our greatest desire to have values and our greatest desire to have belief systems and our greatest desire to have spirituality, you know, and wisdom, um, fear will use that as well. So um, if everyone just wants to just uh, for a minute just shut your eyes for a second while I, I read some words to you, and this will help you identify where you might be having some fear that's unbeknownst to you. Because, again, most people don't walk around saying, I'm, I'm afraid or I'm scared. That's, you know, we don't walk around saying that. But we do walk around using these other words. So just go ahead and shut your eyes so that you're just not, you know, looking at things or worried about what, it, what, what anything is doing outside of yourself. And, you know, just nod your head silently to yourself if you do any of these things or feel any of these things. So it's an internal acknowledgement, like, oh, I do do that. Oh, yes, I do do that. So do you ever deny yourself? Do you ever hide out? Do you ever whine? Do you ever judge yourself or others? Do you ever suffer, right, like, oh, I'm suffering? Do you ever wait, wait and wait and call it patience? Do you ever blame yourself or another? Do you ever deflect and you deflect goodness? Do you ever isolate yourself? Do you ever assume the worst or assume the best, right? Do you ever assume? Do you ever settle? Do you ever defend yourself? Do you think you deserve more from that place of, like, I deserve it from the sense of entitlement? Do you ever wish things were different? Do you ever struggle? What about control? Pretend? Compare? Worry? Procrastinate? Compromise? Complain? Manipulate? How about, do you ever feel bitter? Do you ever feel entitled? Do you ever feel guilty, irritated? Do you ever feel resentful, powerless, confused, annoyed, like now? <laughs> do you ever feel disappointed? Do you ever feel ignored? Do you ever feel indifferent? Do you ever feel dissatisfied? Go ahead and open those eyes of yours. And... um just take a nice deep just take a nice deep breath right now, everybody. Just acknowledging that, yeah, you know, you do some of those things, right? Because this is what I know, Jennifer, is everybody thinks they have all these problems, and what I really see is it comes down to one thing, which is fear, right? Course in Miracles says there's only two emotions, fear or love, and I absolutely believe that. And a lot of people say that fearless living actually and Marianne has told me this. Um, so many people told me this when, they, when they're Course in Miracles students. They say fearless living is kind of a precursor to Course in Miracles because it really breaks down fear. And it, and it really shows you from a humanistic, as a human being, how it shows up in your life, right? So when we complain, that is based in fear. So we go to, we go to people to try to solve our problems for our symptoms of fear. You know, the procrastination, the compromising, the complaining, the controlling, right? The manipulating, right? We go and we try to get help. We try, oh, I don't want to do I don't want to procrastinate anymore. Oh, I don't want to complain anymore, right? And and it's it's awesome to to seek support for those symptoms, yet there's something underneath all of that. Those are just symptoms. Those are just the results, right? There's cause and effect. Those are just the effects of the cause. And the cause is that fear. And as we know in Course in Miracles, as, as Jennifer will so lovingly tell you, is that <laughs> that separation from as that separation from God, right? So so that fear 
um, you know, we on a conscious level, as we're living our life, don't necessarily think we're separated from God. We just know that we're complaining about something, right? So, so, so I help you see that that complaint is really, is, there's really an opportunity for a great healing there, right? Like you can shift that quickly. It doesn't have to take forever, right? It doesn't have to be like, well, I better quit complaining. You know, I actually never tell you to quit complaining. I don't. I never tell you to quit whining. I never tell you that either. I never tell you to quit doing anything. I don't tell you to quit doing anything. Instead, I ask you to focus on where, what we're wanting to build and what we're wanting to go for rather than quit something, right? So all of those things, Jennifer, you know, all of that languaging is just symptomatic from fear. And another word, another word that I just want to throw out is, you know, when we talk about the word stress, you know, um, if I could eliminate a word in our vocabulary, it would be the word stress because I, I think that everyone uses the word stress that so we don't have to really be transparent and say what we're really feeling. Right, and mm. so tell the truth about what's going on. So we say, "I'm stressed," and everybody goes, "Me too." And we go, "Yeah, stressed. Yeah, so busy. Oh, yeah. See you later." Right? We don't have to say, "I'm worried about my father." Right? We don't have to say, "I'm scared about my marriage." We don't have to say, "I'm lonely." Right? We don't have to say, "I've been isolating a lot lately and not sleeping well." Right? So we don't have to tell the truth. We just go stressed. Right? So I would love to get rid of the word stress, so we actually start talking to one another and telling each other the truth. Uh, of course, you know, with care and consideration of, of who you're feeling safe with, right? So that's some of the language that people can use to help them see, okay, well, how much how much is going on? And I would say when I speak, Jennifer, that probably more than 80% of the room have more than 80% of the things that I just read. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's so helpful, the, the list that you gave, it's, really clarifying because I, I I would challenge that there's anyone who doesn't have a little bit of something in every category. I mean, I know I do, even though I work at this every day, you know, yeah, very concertedly. Yeah. I mean, you know, every day there's a little bit of, you know, something here somewhere, and that's where my spiritual work is. And uh, for many people, all it just becomes overwhelming. It becomes overwhelming because, one, they think it's them. They think fear yeah. is them, right? They think that's who they are, and they think they can't stop it. They think that that's, they, they think that that's their fate, right? Mm-hmm. They've identified it with them, and they've been told that, you know, right? We've had people in our lives that have said that to us. Oh, you're stupid. You're worthless. You're this. You're that. You can't get there, right? So we've had this, this, this barrage of fear-based languaging thrown at us our whole lives. And whether you have somebody in your life or whether it's culturally or whether it's just, you know, watching TV, right, um, you know, we just are inundated with this language of, in, in a subtle way, that sarcasm, that cynic of, you know, you can't do it, right? You're not good enough. Something you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. And, and we start to buy in because there's nobody telling us that we can, right? And, 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 when and, and then when we have the rah-rah cheerleaders um, that tell us we can, we don't believe them because they don't know who we really are, right? So when people would tell me, like, you can do anything, Rhonda, I'd be like, uh, yeah, right, you don't know what I just answered, right? So the rah-rah doesn't help either, right? It has to come from that truth, that authentic place, that place of, yeah, I know your life has been tough in this area, and there's a pathway out, and yes, you can do it, but not from rah-rah, because uh, you got to do some work, buddy. You know what I mean? you got to do some work, right? So, you know, it's, it's just like you said, Jennifer, it's the willingness it's the willingness and to be the will, the willingness of the willingness to crack open the door to freedom that's available to us 
and to believe and to decide to believe, not to believe because you may not believe it now, but to decide to believe, Yeah. to decide to believe, right? Like I had to decide to believe. And Jennifer, I remember that day so crystal clear when I got that I could decide. I, I didn't know that I could decide, even though I went, oh, you can decide. They're your choices. I, I like didn't. I was like, yeah, whatever, right? I don't believe you. But when I really got that I could decide, that was mind-blowing to me. And, and then we get to decide. We get to decide that I'd rather believe Rhonda. I'd rather believe Jennifer than my own, you know, thoughts in my head. I'd rather believe, I, you know, I don't believe Rhonda instead of my thoughts, right? I want to believe Rhonda instead of that voice of fear. I want to believe Jennifer, right? So, And, and that's sometimes what it takes is to believe somebody who's walked before you and will, you know, kind of take you out of the, you know, take you out of the desert, right? Um, because sometimes, um, sometimes even though you have everything you need, you don't know that yet or you don't believe it yet. I know, I know that, you know, Marianne Williamson, Course in Miracles was integral for me to start finding my way out. Just to have somebody say fear or love to me was like, what? What are you talking about? Right? Um, that was miraculous. It was a miracle. You know, what you're saying is so helpful and so valuable, Rhonda. And one of the things that I point people to is almost everybody has an experience somewhere in their life. Very often it's when we're a child where you get your mind intent on something. You know, you're going to get a bicycle. You're going to, whatever it is, you're going to get on the soccer team. Somewhere along the way, we decide that we are going to do something that maybe seems hard to do or impossible to do or unlikely. Maybe it seems like people don't believe we can do it, but we have that inner belief, that inner knowing, I can do this, I want this, I'm going to go for it. And we don't let anything stand in our way. We're able to hold a vision for ourselves and perhaps enroll other people. You know, maybe it's we're going to sell more Girl Scout cookies or whatever it is. Almost every one of us has somewhere along the line we've got something that we decided to do. Maybe it's quit smoking. Maybe it's quit drinking. Somewhere along the line we've got something that we decided to do. So there, we, we've we've had that experience of, I can do that, and now as adults where we it's so easy sometimes to get totally waylaid by fear, we can say, okay, I'm, I'm going to pull on that decision-making ability, which I've already demonstrated, and I'm going to decide here and now that God is for me, that I can choose love, that I can do it differently, that I can choose again. I agree 100%. And, you know, in that moment, you know, which has the higher anchor, right? Which is the deepest mm. anchor, right? So we might have that one moment and then we had, you know, 80 moments that we didn't have that, right? So so we have that moment. It's like we have to choose to believe what we, what we again, the choice of believing. Like we have to choose to believe rather than the evidence that we built in the past. You know, what I always say is fear is a building evidence machine. That's all we do. As human beings, we build evidence. And as human beings, we build evidence. And usually, sadly, how we've learned to build evidence out of safety, because fear, just by the way, the definition of fear, what fear's job is, I should say, what fear's job is, is just to keep us safe. That's all fear does, is keep us safe. That's what it does. It doesn't know that you're 38 or 42 or 26. It doesn't know you're, you're grown up. It still thinks of you as five or 12 or six, right? So fear just wants to keep us safe. So in that quest for safety, um, you know, we listen to the voice of fear, even though we rationally may know, like, don't listen, it's still, 
is seductive because it knows us so well. And usually the voice of fear is so good because it has seeds of truth in it. Oh, well, remember what happened last time when you tried that, right? You know, it didn't work out. So how do you think you're going to do it this time? There's a seed of truth. Mm-hmm. And that seed of truth, we make it, we like, we like water that seed of, you know, that seed of truth. And we make that false belief real and real and real because we water that seed of truth. It's not, it's not necessarily has to be true, but we just have like a little tiny seed of truth, right? Like, oh, well, you, you have gained weight, right? So like you did gain a few pounds. Doesn't mean that you're, you know, now can't eat anything, right? It doesn't mean that you, mm-hmm. you know, are now obese, right? Like, so we take this little, little tiny minute moment and fear just takes it and uses it against us to build that evidence in order to keep us safe. And so we have to decide to build new evidence for ourselves. We have to choose to build evidence and start seeing what we choose to see in order to start filling up our love well, filling up that fearless well, filling up that knowing that miracles do exist, right? Filling up that spiritual well of of truth, right? Of the real truth, of the truth of the capital T, rather than that seed of truth with a little tiny T, right? So when we decide to do that, when we decide, and I, I really want to emphasize that, we get to decide that. And again, I know it doesn't feel that way. But just believing that there is a, I know for me, what helped me is believing there was a rope. And you call this silly if you want, but I believed that God was throwing me a rope, right? Mm-hmm. And when I was going through a really difficult time, when the difficult times of, of through my healing, there were lots of times that were very difficult and challenging. And I would literally imagine this rope and that God threw down to me. And I would literally, action by action, choice by choice, belief by belief, literally hand over hand, just walk the rope, right? And I couldn't see and, I, and all this negative talk was happening at me and I felt like people were laughing at me and calling me stupid and all that stuff. And I just literally kept my intention focused on that rope focused intention on where I wanted to go. And I literally, even though they were barraging me or my, and my thoughts were barraging me, like, who do you think you are? You can't do that. You think you know this. Well, yeah, right. This is going to be a big disaster, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just let it come and just hung onto the rope and just inch by inch just moved up to that rope. And, and I have seen time and time again that, um, and, and, you know, I don't have to do that anymore, right? It's like I don't even have that voice the way I used right. to. Um, but eventually what really coolly happened is that voice literally disappeared because I didn't engage it. I didn't turn and look. I didn't, I didn't, again, I just want to use the word indulge. I didn't turn to look and give it any evidence to prove it was right. I starved that voice, right? I starved that voice and started feeding the voice of freedom, started feeding the voice of love, started feeding the voice of where I wanted to go and who I wanted to be and who I prayed I was. And I didn't know if I was, you know, just prayed secretly, like, please let, let me, <laughs> let me be okay. Right. Um, cause I, at that point I didn't have evidence that I'd be okay. Right. Just prayed, like, please, you know, let this be true. Right. Let this be true. Um, and I just kept walking. Uh, and I know that Jennifer, this has been, you know, true for you, you know, that we've walked these paths of, and I think this is the spirit, you know, again, this doesn't have to be everybody's spiritual path. I think that everyone on their spiritual path, encounters those moments of worry as we're as our you know our talk today our worry and that doubt and that fear come upon us you know again a great a great visual for me is just imagining that rope and um and just knowing that god has got my back no matter what whether i feel it or not whether i see it or not just knowing that he is there 
and again, maybe it's a she to you, he, she, it, whatever you want to, however you want to describe it in your own spiritual beliefs, is, you know, I, I, I believe that. I believe that. Sometimes I don't feel it, but I do believe it. And now I feel it more than not. What you're saying is so critical, Rhonda. I'm so glad that you're sharing this. And one of the ways that I talk about it, very similar, that the ego will try to convince you to become an attorney gathering evidence to make the case against you. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Always against you. Always against you. But again, you have to remember that fear has a job. You know, I love fear, and I absolutely believe that lo- fear loves me. I do, I, you know, because if God made everything, God, uh, God made fear, right? Like, like God, there's a purpose for fear. We've twisted fear's purpose, um, uh, but it doesn't have to be that way. Fear can actually be fuel for our own growth and transformation as well, and fear can actually become our greatest ally. So, you know, fear is just being used to keep us safe. And because we're afraid of, 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 of the unknown, right, because we're afraid of the unknown, fear owns us, right? If we're afraid of the unknown and we don't want to go in the unknown and we don't want to change and we don't want to do the thing that we're not sure it's going to work out, if we need everything to have, you know, factual evidence and everything has to be, you know, T's crossed and I's dotted and everything's got to be perfect, you know, that perfection will always take away our connection with God. The desire for perfection will always take away our connection with God. And fear will always win then, right? Because fear will use that against you. So I choose to see fear as this loving entity that literally just wants to keep us safe. And it's using the only tool it has, which is called fear. And it's just trying to have our back. And it doesn't know we're old enough because, remember, when we're two, three, four, five years old, we can't say no. You know, we're, we're not, we don't have the knowledge most of us anyway you know the understanding of no and yes and and um you know when we're too to say no to everything we don't have the conscious awareness of no yes and we don't have the conscious awareness that our parents aren't the end-all be-all right we don't have the conscious awareness that people might be leading us astray and their beliefs may not resonate with us you know we're just you know we're just taught things and we just take mm-hmm. them on in order to survive in order to survive mm-hmm. right we gotta survive in our house right we gotta survive there so you know so you know, it's retraining fear and really having a relationship with fear that um, actually becomes a great ally for you and a great benefit in your life and actually becomes a great source of love for you. Um, I know it does for me. Like, you know, um, fear doesn't, fear isn't, you know, when I have that fear, like they come up for me, I'm no longer, I'm no longer thinking anything's wrong with me. I know that it's just a moment of growth and that I'm in the unknown and it's like, aha, here you are. You're wanting to keep me safe. Thank you very much. And I've got this, right? Love's got this. God's got this. I've got this. Thank you, fear, right? But I don't need you today, right? So it's, it's that having that dialogue and that willingness to commune with, with fear that um, actually retrains it. Now, I, I want to clarify something because one thing you're saying uh, about growing, a lot of people grow up in a household where worry is mm-hmm. and the doubt. way of the world. Yeah. Worry and yep. doubt is the way yep. of the world. And and people are yep. taught to worry yep. and to doubt as a, a way of keeping themselves safe. And so right. it's, it's ingrained in their behavior. It's like honoring their family requires them to be in worry and doubt all the time. Absolutely. Honoring my family meant I couldn't be happy because my parents were dead. 
right? What kind of daughter is happy when her mother's dead, right? Like, what kind of daughter is that, right? Right. So, yeah, it's honoring the family legacy. And, again, it's not that you're conscious of this necessarily, right? Like, some of you may be, some of you may not be. It doesn't matter if you're conscious of it or not, but it is the truth of it. It's like that is the conditioning. You know, do you ever see a baby worry and doubt? Right? Is there, do, you know, do you know of a baby that worries and doubt? I don't think so. Right? <laughs> so we're, tra- we're trained to do that, right? So, so worry is a choice, even though I know it doesn't feel like it. Doubt is a choice, even though, again, it doesn't feel that way, right? Having fear, again, is based on growth and transformation. When you're in fear, it, it just means that you're moving into the unknown. And it could be a thought. It could be a behavior. It could be a feeling. You know, you might, if you haven't dated for 12 years and you're thinking about dating, Fear's going to come up because it's going to be like, well, what are you, what are you, crazy? You're starting thinking about dating? Now, you haven't even taken action yet. You're not even, you know, you're beating yourself up because you're not even doing it. So you're beating yourself up for not taking action because you're not dating and you haven't done it for 12 years. But then fear's beating you up for even thinking about dating. You're not even, you know, so it's like it's just got you, right? How could you not yeah. be afraid if nobody has seen your thighs for 12 years? I mean. <laughs> exactly. I'm right? sorry. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right? And so fear is is not necessarily the bad guy here in the, in the sense of, again, once you build a relationship with it, you see how it's really just there to support you and, and to point out that this is the unknown for you. Um, but yeah, we're, 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 we're trained to have worry. We're trained to have doubt. We're trained to what kind of fears we have. You know, why does, why does, why does one person have a fear of looking stupid? And why does one fear person have a fear of, you know, being inadequate and another person have a fear of looking selfish, right? We all have different fears. Now, I fundamentally believe that we all have one core fear, right? But it's individualized and unique to each of us. So it's your individualized, customized version of not good enough. So right. you're not good enough might, might be stupid, or you're not good enough might be I'm a loser, or you're not good enough might be are worthless, right? But it's an individualized, customized, personalized wheel of fear designed specifically for you and how you grew up and who <laughs> your, your role models were designed specifically for you to keep you exactly the way you are because fear wants to keep you the same, stuck, and small. Because then it knows where you are. It knows exactly where you are. And it likes it that way, right? Well, Um, and I also, tell me what you think of this, because I believe, similar to what you're saying, I believe that we are, as individuals, we're saying, I'm going to heal these particular thoughts. So in Science of Mind, uh, we talk about the race consciousness, right? The human yes. race consciousness. So then the human race consciousness is every thought that's ever been thunk. So in A Course in Miracles, we talk about the script has already been written. And I do believe that we come in with an impetus. I'm going to heal this idea in myself, this idea that I'm not good yes. enough and there could be a because or there's something wrong with me because or whatever the the thought is, that we are going to heal it in ourselves. And because we are one with everyone, it is impacting the entire human race, and we are bringing benefit to all beings. So every time that fear or that worry or that doubt comes up, we can, from a, a more awakened point of view, we can say, aha, here is my opportunity to bring benefit. Instead of thinking, oh, God, here's that horrible thought again. It's crushing me like a, 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 a you know, a, 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 yeah, it, instead, no, this is my opportunity. This is my moment of greatness. Instead of being crushed by this thought, I will rise. 
Oh, absolutely, Jennifer. I mean, there were times, and there are still times, you know, when I'm moving through my own fears, yeah. you know, my own, stretch, what I call stretch, risk, and die, and, and, and those are the videos that I want to uh, gift everybody on this line with tonight is the stretch, risk, and die videos to help them understand the expansion of how fear works when we start expanding. I, I couldn't agree more because some of the greatest things, greatest actions I've taken have been not in my name, but in my niece's names. Mm-hmm. In my, you know, the legacy of my great, great, you know, grandnephews and nieces and my, you know, my legacy line. And, and I believe that when I heal myself, not only am I healing the future generations, uh, you know, of the world, but I'm also healing the past mm-hmm. so that I'm healing my mother. You know, when mm-hmm. I, I was, uh, you know, my mother was in a, a, a abuse emotionally and, of course, physically abusive relationship. And, and I was, got involved in an emotionally abusive relationship um, and when I left that relationship, I knew to the core of my being, because it took everything for me to get out of there, took every ounce of my courage. And I, and I remember thinking, like, now I totally get how my mother felt, and I get how hard it is to leave. And it's like, oh, my God, it takes such great courage to leave a mm-hmm. relationship that does not serve you, that is, that is actually harmful to you, but it takes so hard because you, you want to be that beneficial presence. You want to be the reason they, you know, they change. They, you want to be that they love you enough, right? You want to be the source. You know, yeah, I mean, like it's so hard to read. And, and what eventually gave me the courage to leave, what gave me the impetus, the, the, the push, is, remember, is thinking to my nieces. And mm. I don't remember how old they were at the time, like you know, 12, 11. And I remember thinking, um, I am not going to have their legacy. I'm not going to bring that energetic into their beingness. I am going to end this now. Mm. My nieces and my nephews will not, will not be in emotional abusive relations because I'm stopping it now. And, and that gave me great courage. That gave me great courage. And that's still today sometimes when I have to make a difficult choice. And, you know, my fears, you know, fears got me. And I'm like, mm, I know it's fear. But even though I know it's fear, sometimes it's like gulp, 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 right? I think of a student. I think of a letter I've received. I think of somebody who approached me at a workshop. You know, I think of, I think of, you know, somebody that's, you know, in, in one of my courses writing me a letter, right? Like I think of those people and go, oh, yes, I must be fearless. Like, you know, like I am not only doing this for me, I yeah. am doing this for every single person that ever lived and ever will live. And so man, you know, get, you can do it, Rhonda. And, and that, that does, that gives me courage. And I, sometimes I can't do it for me, Jennifer, but I can do it for my nieces, right? Right. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I can't do it for, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, like myself, my, my fear, my fear voice will come in and get me, but man, you put my nieces in front of me or somebody I love in front of me and all of a sudden I have courage, you know? And I think that's true. It is true. It is true, and I I've done the same kind of thing. And for me, like in my family, I grew up with this whole thing about being controlling and manipulative, uh, mm. like a lot of people. <laughs> and I I grew up as a control freak, and I had a realization when I was in the practitioner training at Agape, I had the re- realization that I that this was a gift from my ancestry. 
because now I was healing it and I was a, being a beneficial presence to my ancestry. Everyone in my family who brought this gift of control freak to me, I was transforming it because, right. you know, there we are here for a holy purpose of healing all false beliefs. We're not here to make money. We're we're not here to get married, to, to do all of these things that we do. We're really here to heal all false beliefs while we're doing all these wonderful things. Yes, yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, you know, relationship is, you know, one of the greatest gifts of relationship and one of the reasons people avoid relationship is because it is where we heal ourselves. You know, it is the greatest point of healing because it brings up some of our deepest pain. It brings up our past. It brings up our history, our stories, right? It brings up meaning. It brings up all the lies we've told ourselves, right? All the wishes that, you know, maybe brokenhearted, all the fantasies, right? It brings up all of that moving into relationship. And, and so it's one of the reasons, again, like I said, people avoid it or people get into a relationship that's less than what they'd like because, they go, this is good enough. I don't want anybody, you know, like I'll just like to be with somebody who doesn't, you know, like I, I, I just want to deal, I just want to be some, something really easy, you know, and, uh, you know, as long as I doubt it all the time, then I don't have to really dive in, right? I don't have to really give of myself. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like like any relationship that you're in right now, and I, and I speak to anybody here who's listening to my voice, you know, if you're having any doubt about a relationship that you're in right now or a friendship that you're in right now, what I invite you to do is actually choose to no longer have doubt in it and actually engage fully in it because when you engage fully in it and don't act from a place of doubt but engage fully, what you're supposed to do becomes crystal clear. What you Because the doubt keeps you deciding, right? Like, well, he was like this and then she was like this and then, well, they were good this way and that was – so you, you don't really fully engage though, so you don't have to really make a decision. When you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to put doubt aside for right now and I'm going to fully engage and act as if they're my best friend or – the greatest guy in the world, or this is my future wife, or again, whatever it is, or this is the greatest husband I've ever had, or, you know, like you're going to fully engage, and you're going to show up fully, and you're going to speak up fully as best you can, with as much courage as you can, it gets very, very, the truth gets very, very clear, right? But we stay in doubt so we don't have to decide. We don't want to decide, right? So as long as I'm in doubt, and I have the pros and the cons, you know, and the benefits and losses, I don't really have to decide and I can stay in that ambivalence so I don't have to really change anything and I don't have to get anything really good and I don't have to feel anything really bad and I don't have to take on the guilt of leaving or I don't have to take on the worry of, you know, like I don't have to do any of that, right? So that doubtful place becomes a place of, you know, spinning our wheels and not having to move forward, whether moving forward deeper in relationship or leaving that relationship, right, or leaving that job or deeper in that job. So this is not only true for relationships, this is true for jobs. Like if you're like, mm-hmm. well, I don't know if I should be here or not at my job. It's like, mm, okay, well, you're there, okay? If you're there, you're supposed to be there right now. So if you fully engage with wherever you are, with the person in front of you, if you, if you decide, and this is what I do, to fully engage with the person you're in front of, fully engage with the job you're in, fully engage with the person you're in a relationship with. Again, everything gets very crystal clear about what you need to do next. When you sit in doubt and you, you don't, you know, you keep that doubt thing, nothing gets crystal clear. You're waiting for an answer, but you're not engaging for the answer to pop up. You're not listening because you're not engaged, right? Mm-hmm. So you must engage. And it's the same thing with worry. Worry keeps us on the edge, right? When we worry, it's like 
it's like I, I find worry so fascinating, right? Worry is so fascinating. Um, and I'm sure you give an exercise like this to your clients as well, Jennifer, but I tell people to, you know, write down every worry they have. Mm-hmm. I have every, keep it for a week. Every worry they have, every single worry they have. And then I ask them after the week to go back and check which ones came true, right? Which ones came true, right? And then I want them to look back at their worry list and actually admit if they felt powerful having that worry that they somehow changed the course of history or changed the course of that person's life by worrying. Do they think that they had an impact by their worry, right? And how could they have made a different impact, right? Because people think worry impacts people, right, that they, you know, affects people. Right? That somehow they're, I think worry is a control. It's a control mechanism. Mm-hmm. Like, as long as I'm worried, that means I care and that means I'm controlling. Right? So, a worry is your, you know, it's like your, it's your way of caring, it's your way of controlling, it's your way of manipulating the situation, it's your way of showing love. Right? Um, but it's not necessarily a loving act. Now, some uh, people are obsessively worried about their loved ones. So, this is very yes. common with parents. Who they're obsessively worried about their children. Yes. Yes. So um, yeah. I, this is what I tell every parent, and and I say the same thing is that um, your and 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 you know this, Jennifer, and I know the people on this line when they hear it know this truth is true too, is that everybody on this planet, as you said it earlier, is here for a purpose, right? Is here for some sort of pathway, mm-hmm. and. Your child, you do not know what their path is. You do not know what their path is. So, for instance, I mean, think of me. When I was 24 years old, 22 years old, 20 years old, I was suicidal, an alcoholic. Let's just say I was with a, you know, I had relationships all the time. Let's just say, right, I was flunking out of school, right? And I got a scholarship to college, but I couldn't, I didn't go to school classes. And if I did, I maybe I'd get an A in a test, and then I'd flunk, flunk the next one. Like, you know, if you met me in my 20s, you'd be like, oh, poor old Rhonda, oh, geez, oh, right? Mm-hmm. And and I hear parents to this day, you know, when they're like, oh, my God, my son is. And, again, I, I get that you want to take action and support and care for it. Don't get me wrong. I want you to do all those things, too. Um, and where is your trust that your son or daughter, the people in your life, are on their path? Like, think about me. If you met me and you worry for me that, that, you know, I was on my path. Like, that, that was part of my path, being an alcoholic. Part of my path was, was being suicidal. Being, that was part of my path, right? Like, again, didn't, it, you know, if I was more evolved and wiser, that didn't have to be part of my path. But that's where I was at that moment, right? And so, so it's like, you know, again, where is that faith and trust that, that, that each individual has their path? And, yes, you can be a supporter. Yes, you can be a, a guide, a place of wisdom. You can be somebody who has somebody's back. But you cannot not live, some, live life, somebody's life for me. And, and I just want to throw out here that um, this I actually had a huge issue with this myself, Jennifer, because um, I have no children of my own. I, I have I've been in relationship where I've raised um, children, um, so I consider myself a, a mother as a quote unquote stepmother. Um, and what happened for me growing up and moving through all this fear mm-hmm. is that my nieces became almost they. I worried about my nieces, right? Mm-hmm. Like my nieces became 
like my life. And when I would go through a very worry, fearful period, I would have nightmares every night that my nieces were dying. Now, mm. now, mind you, I had night dreams about myself for years that I was dying, but those were nothing compared to having my niece die, right? My nieces die. So mm. when, when I, and, it, and, it's a, and it's a reoccurring theme for me. So when I'm in a very vulnerable position and I have a lot of stuff that I'm moving through and with great courage or, you know, with great just fortitude and hanging on to the rope with your life, you know, barely hanging on, you know, scratching it, um, I will have this, this dream of one or both my nieces dying. Mm. And um, when I, for many years, like I said, I put God on the other side of that, that rope, Jennifer. Um, and how I eventually came back to God was I remember wrestling with God in my car. I was driving home from Agape, from, you know, training a spiritual practitioner. And it's interesting because I was a spiritual practitioner, but I still hadn't crossed the line and gone back to God. I just would call him spirit or universe or light or something. I wouldn't say the word God. Oh, my God, I got the word God. Um, and I remember driving home and uh, having to pull over um, because God was just wrestling with me, like I was wrestling. And yeah. um, I didn't want to cross the line and go back to him. I loved him so much, and I, the pull was so great. And I remember saying to him, if I come across the line, I know you will kill someone else. Somebody else will die, and I can't take it. And I remember just having, I mean, I literally was in my car for hours, Jennifer, like on the mm. side of the road, by the way, on the side of the freeway, like literally on the side of the road for hours. It was raining, too. And it was like, and I remember just crying and crying, and, and I remember getting to the point where I said to God, okay, I will cross back over to you and I'm willing to let everybody die. It's either my family or you, God, and I'm going to choose you. And, and, I, and, I, and I, now mind you, you have to remember on a visceral level, Jennifer, every cell in my being feared that my family would die. Mm-hmm. Like I literally, I'm not joking, had to on a cellular level go, okay, they can die. Like, 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 I can't even, like, again, logically, I was like, well, they don't have to die. I mean, I, it doesn't matter. Yep, yep. My, every, every cell in my being was going, they're going to die. They're going to die. You know, no, don't go back to God. Right. So it's like, I mean, I remember sitting in that car going, okay, okay. And literally fearful that the next morning I would wake up and everybody would be dead. And I'm, I'm happy to say that knock on wood, um, I have had one nephew pass, and it was many, many years later. He just passed a few years ago. Um, and, yeah, but, no, you know, my nieces didn't die. Nobody died. Right. right. But, man, Jennifer felt like they were going to. That's that, that place of we have to be willing. And it, it's, the, it's the, the ultimate challenge for us is to release the attachment to anything yes. of this world, including our relationships with each other. Yes. If, if it's if it's yes. an ego attachment, you know the love yes. we never have to let go of that. But if we yes. hold well, it, it as me, an attachment, yeah, gosh. But it made me it made me a better mentor yeah. and aunt. Yeah. My nieces, like my 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 nieces and I are very very close, and we're not close because I worried about them, right? And we're not close because I I doubted their abilities. I'm not close because of fear. I'm close because I allowed them to stand on their own two feet and allowed them to have their life back instead of me trying to control it. And so between us is that love rather than that, oh, my God, I've got to be a great aunt. Oh, my God, I've got to change. Oh, God, oh, God. It's, 
you know, so I say that because I know there might be somebody on this line right now that, you know, is, is worried about falling deeper in love with God or falling into that place of forgiveness or that place of surrender or, mm-hmm. you know, really giving up that worry and doubt. And I know on a visceral level, like it literally, like you might be shaking thinking about it right now. Like, 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 are you crazy, Rhonda? Are you crazy, Jennifer? I can't do that. And, and I want to assure you that's part of the letting go. Yeah. It's part of the letting go. It's part of it. We, we have to surrender all attachments and to really move into that place of trust and faith. And it, that's, that's the whole thing of this life. That's yes, everything yes. right there. And yes. it's, it's, it's not easy for any one of us. It's not easy for any one of us. So to, the expectation that it should be easy is a false one. I think it, it's really helpful and healing for us, Rhonda, to to hear how intensely challenging it was, how dramatic it was for you, because then we can look at our own life and say, okay, yeah, it feels really dramatic for me too, and Rhonda was able to do it and move through it and look at her rise, her rise, and in yeah. in you know in terms of being able to love freely without limitation. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I do believe, and I know that this is true for you, Jennifer. You know, I stand for people until they can stand for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. It's like hang on to our hang on to our you know yeah. our you know the back of our jackets, right? Hang on to the you yeah. know the hem of the garment, like hang on, right? Like hang on, just just come along for this ride. And, you know, the great thing, you're such a great teacher, Jennifer, you know, you lay it out so crystal clear. I love listening to you speak. Um, you know, every time we have conversations, it's just, you're just so crystal clear. And, and you just, you, you, again, I just want to say, you're just so crystal clear. And to have that teacher, that vehicle, that has transformed their own life and to be able to, um, you know, draft behind you, so to speak, um, is, is a great gift, is a great gift. And I'm so, so honored that I get to have you in my life because I feel so many times that I'm drafting behind you, you know, that, ah, Jennifer, ah, Jennifer, you know, Jennifer, ah, um, you know, it's just, you know, cause, cause you're just, you're so deep in spirit and it's such, just such an honor to hang with you and, and feel your presence. And I know that it, that, you know, I know that I'm vibrating up anytime I'm in your presence, and it's like, okay, I'm in, I'm up, let's vibrate up. I said, let's vibrate it up, let's engage fully, let's go. <laughs> let's lift off. Well, like attracts like, and uh, we are absolutely attracting those who are like us in that place of really desiring to know our true identity. And, you know, it's interesting that you're saying this right now, not not about me, Rhonda, but David Hoffmeister said the same thing last week, that one of the most helpful things we can do is find someone that, like you said, we can draft behind to find someone who's doing the work authentically and who's a, a little further along on the path and we can say, okay, I'm going to fall in step with them. I'm going to line up with them because it, it then we become the two or more who are gathered and it's very, very helpful to us. And we, we're at the end of our hour. It's gone by so quickly mm-hmm. here. 
And just before we complete, I'm I'm going to say a prayer and a blessing and remind people that we have the homework class at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern tomorrow morning, and that we have the recordings of both classes for 48 hours. Everybody can listen for free. What Rhonda's sharing here is so practical and so helpful. Um, if you know people who have worry, who have doubt, who are in obsessive worry mode, please invite them to listen for free. It's totally free, and it can be helpful to them. You never know who might be uh, able to listen and be inspired. So please do share these classes with your friends. And uh, tomorrow morning's class, I'm going to share my own perspective on healing fear, worry, and doubt in my life. And uh, Rhonda, for those who weren't here early, will you just remind us again, you have tools available and you mentioned the the three video series. So can you give that to people and then they can write it down and go to your website and also participate in your 30-day program that begins next week? Absolutely. So please, um, Rhonda Britton, R-H-O-N-D-A, B-R-I-T-T-E-N, so it's rondabritton.com, B-R-I-T-T-E-N.com, forward slash miracles, okay? If you go to rondabritton.com, forward slash miracles, you're going to see a page there, and it basically says, you know, hi, and it, it, it's basically a little bit of a description of the three videos that I want to share with you about Stretch, Risk, and Die, and Stretch, Risk, and Die is is a tool for you to use to start expanding your life. And it talks about the wheel of fear and, and it talks a little bit about the wheel of fear and wheel of freedom and a little bit more about fear. So it gives you a nice, full, rounded, um, uh, you know, shot, uh, shot in mm-hmm. the arm, of yeah. that next step. And then when you sign up for those videos, um, I will automatically send you an email about my course coming up next week, which I rarely, rarely teach this course. I actually haven't taught it for almost four years. And I'm teaching it live starting uh, next week. It's called Change Your Life. And it's a 30-day course that's really about accountability, about uh, one principle a day, and it's really an accelerator, a real shot in the arm, a real like, okay, now or never, let's do it. And um, I've had people take it that, that I, I mean, I can't even, the testimonials are just uh, uh, just so touching to me. Um, I've had people say to me, oh, my gosh, in my first, you know, three days, I've, you know, been able to heal a relationship with my sister. I've, I've had people say, you know, after day 10, I not only lost, started losing weight, but I started healing my relationship with my mate, right? Uh, they were able to get career changes and things because these are principles, these are tools. So I believe that you need a spiritual foundation as well as a toolkit. And I think that, I think of change your life as a toolkit with a spiritual foundation and their tools. So every day you're going to learn a new tool for your toolkit. Um, so that, again, I'm teaching uh, live for the first time in almost four years. So yeah. please go in to Rhonda Britton, yeah, rondabritton.com forward slash miracles and, and get the free videos, and you'll automatically, like I said, find I'll let you know about the course. Super excited to share. Okay, <laughs> teach my course. I haven't taught it. Woohoo! I love it. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, is it really is our ability to work it on a daily basis, hold ourselves accountable. This is what transforms our life. It's building that spiritual muscle that, you know, the worry, the fear, the doubt, these things will arise in our mind, and it's because we are dedicating ourselves to being a healing presence on the planet. So we can't just bow down to fear. We have to have the tools and the resources 
to address it and to heal it and to work with it in a way that is positive and brings benefit for all, which we can definitely do. And that's why doing these classes together is so beneficial because many people will just read books or do things like that, and it's not enough to listen to the classes. It's not enough to read a book, even reading A Course in Miracles. Reading A Course in Miracles will do nothing for you. It's what you do with the insight and how you work it that changes your life. And Rhonda and I absolutely know this. How long have you been studying A Course in Miracles now? Since 1989. 88, yeah. actually. 88. Yeah. Wow. Long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And don't you discover yeah, new insight from it all the time? Oh, gosh, absolutely. And I'm actually going through the lessons again. I just started the lessons um, this last month again. So I can't remember if it's my sixth or eighth time going through the lessons. Um, uh, it, it's just every time I do the lessons, it, it, it just gets deeper. It gets deeper and it seeps within. Like, I'm, like I'm on, I think I'm on day 19 right now, and lesson 19 right now. And just to, like, on one hand, they're validating and affirming because it's like, oh, yes, I know this. But on the other hand, it's like, oh, gosh, let me know it more, like deeper and deeper in it. So, yes, I, 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 I absolutely know that insights are not enough. It's the doing with the insight that changes our life. The insight, the reading, that's nice, gives you nice information, but that is not the change. In order, you need to start speaking differently and choosing different thoughts and, you know, taking different actions. And, you know, you need tools. Um, and that's what Jennifer provides, and that's what I have the great honor to provide and what I love to do. I'm devoted to it. My life's devoted to that. Yes, me too. That's why our class is called Living a Course in Miracles. And when we first began this program last year, I got so many emails from people who literally said, I've been studying the course for 10, 15, 20, 25, even 30 years. And people said, it never occurred to me to actually try to live it day by day, minute by minute. Wow. Until I know. And so, but that's where the healing is. And that's how we extend the healing, extend the love to our brothers and sisters too, through having a living practice. Yeah. And whew, it's uh, it's always just a thrill and a pleasure to be with you, Rhonda, to share, to listen to you share about your life experience and your journey because it is profoundly uplifting and inspiring. And and as challenging as your life has been, Rhonda, truly, I I'm I am grateful to you that you didn't give up. That God wouldn't let you give up. That your own holiness wouldn't let you give up. That you are still here to help us and to share with us, to inspire us and to be be that bright light on the road ahead. So thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. Okay, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So let oh, us yeah. let us pray. Let us pray. Yes. So I invite everyone Fearlessly. to <laughs> yes. Fearlessly like, pray. Oh yes. my gosh. Yes. With nothing mm -hmm. but love in our hearts we place our hand on our heart, and we remember that the kingdom is within. It's pre-installed. We've already been given. So in this moment, we open ourselves. We give thanks to Rhonda. We give thanks to God that 
our holiness can never let us down and that everything that we need to be inspired, to be fearless, and to live a life of love and to share all the benefits with our brothers and sisters, everything has already been given to us. So we are now giving thanks for that. We are giving thanks that there is not one moment when we are not held in the heart of God, when we are not truly the love of God made manifest. What I know for each and every one of us is that we are living an inspired and fearless life of love, sharing the benefits with everyone. In grace and gratitude, we accept our healing. We accept it fully right now. We allow it right now. We're entitled to our healing, and we're giving thanks for it. In grace and gratitude, in true joy, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Thank you, Rhonda. Thank you, Ms. Jennifer. What a joy. What a joy. Yeah. Thank you. I love you, and I love all our listeners, and I am so, so very grateful, so grateful for everything, for everything that has brought us to this moment. This is Jennifer Hadley again. I invite you to remember that your dedication to your life of love is the best gift that you can share with the world. Love is the only healer, and it's always available to you for the asking. Remember, too, that you cannot have that which you're unwilling to share. Share the love today. Love out loud and know that all boats rise on this holy tide of love. Thank you for joining us. Please go to jenniferhadley.com for more tools and practical loving support every day.